from the studios of Teeing It Up in the Slums of Jersey. This is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for Players Week. It is February 11th on a Monday. And uh, it feels good on this Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling moment to be talking about uh, a big event and a cool event, an event that now moves back to March from May. We welcome in to preview it from Golf News Net and the, what is it, the 19th Hole Podcast? Is that the name of your podcast? It's still going somehow. Yes, the 19th Hole Podcast. Our friend Ryan Ballingy, as usual, on a Monday. Good afternoon, sir. Hey, Jeremy. How are you? I am fine. All right. Uh, just afternoon Eastern, a guy walked up, said, I feel good, man. And his name is Tiger Woods. Um, told Steve DiMeglio of, uh, of Golf Week and USA Today, I didn't want to push it. No need to. Not at my age. Can't do that anymore. And then I thought, and I'm, and I'm not sure if you've seen this story um, yet, he uh, took the week off basically um, until Saturday with light practice. Uh, he didn't do anything. Everything is good. I feel good. I needed last week off. He wore tape, KT tape. He's not going to wear it. And this is the most interesting thing, um, which echoes something Paul Azinger said on a conference call last week. I could feel it. It wasn't fun. I couldn't make a backswing. I couldn't make a follow-through. I couldn't make a complete swing, pause, and I putted so well. <laughs> and, and, and obviously this is in you know, regards to his major problems putting on Poana. And what I just think is interesting about this is that we have a situation here where a 43-year-old golfer is going to get nicked up from time to time. And um, this is Paul's quote, and I'm not sure if you saw this because you were away, so I'll read it to you. Um, uh, his neck issue, that's a serious issue, I feel. If your neck doesn't follow the way, sorry, doesn't flow the way you want it, dot, dot, dot. I saw Tiger in Mexico City. It looked like the whole thing was all, you know, holding together barely, basically. That, that's, some warning got left out of his transcript, but that's what I think it is. Quote, you could see it almost, like trying to save it looking swing, and it could have been be because his neck wasn't getting there when he hit it. Your head is in a spot, and it rotates up, and it looked like he was hitting, and it was going like this. You don't want to play with that. I don't think it affected him all that much, to tell you the truth, i.e. the shot on nine on Friday. Um, I, 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 I'm just hoping that he feels um, like I don't want to take a chance and that's not something that's going to you know, hold him back for the rest of the year. Uh, th- there's obviously some wording left out of this transcript, but that's the basic bottom line from Paul Azinger. And Tiger confirmed it, which I found really interesting that it did affect him. That, that it did affect him. The dude tied for 10th in a 70-something odd man tournament. So obviously he had some things going for him. I, f- I find this fascinating, Ryan. You and I have talked off and on about what we think Tiger's going to be in this new iteration. And when he's on, he's on. When he's off, now you got to start wondering if it's a knick-knack thing versus a rust or something else. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think we kind of knew when he started the comeback that that could be a possibility and then yep. everything went so swimmingly that kind of forgot that that was a possibility. Yeah. And now you got to come back to the point that, yeah, he's a 43-year-old guy who's had four back surgeries. And for as amazing as he was last year and for as well as he showed at points playing injured in Mexico, 
he's obviously got something dinged up with him. He's going to have to decide to work through it. He had something dinged up with him last year at the Open and also seemed to work through that just fine. So I, I think he just kind of got to read his body, and that's what he tried to do, and that, that's where he is right now. So he's decided, okay, I didn't want to play the API and risk some form of injury going back, you know, two out of three, especially if I'm going to play three out of four or wanted to play three out of four. So I think he made the right choice. Obviously, you're going to play in the players above the Arnold Palmer. It's just it, there's $3.4 million more on the line. <laughs> it's a more prestigious event, all that stuff. You're just going to do it. So I think he made the right choice. I, I honestly think he tried to play WGC Mexico so conservatively because he was injured, and he still got pretty close so I think if he can feel like this week he can go at it closer to full strength if not full strength then there's a good chance he can win this thing it does bring up a really interesting point which is is that the reason for the conservative strategy a couple weeks ago um and his swing speed's been down all year uh this is something Randall Chambly who whose points I don't always agree with but I thought it was interesting that his swing speed's down. Uh, sorry, ball speed's down. His his club head speed's down. You can see it on on top tracer. Um, he hasn't really busted it out yet. And I go back to Los Angeles and I go back to Riviera and all those early mornings and all those delays and all those stop starts. Is this a point? Are we at a point where Tiger's going to have to maybe, in a situation like that, withdraw in the future and just say, look, I'm sorry, I love this event, I'm the host of it, whatever, or for whosever event it is, my body cannot take this, I'm sorry, goodbye. Maybe. I mean, he hasn't been that kind of guy in the past where he just typically withdraws, although he's done that in this tournament in the past. This is the first one I covered for golf channel. He withdrew after nine holes by yeah. the time I showed up. Um, but I, I get the sense that he's not going to mess around. He knows that if he's one, basically one bad tweak away from never being able to walk again or not being able to live the kind of life he wants to live. So I think he's going to err on that side of caution every time. Whether that means withdrawing in the middle of a tournament or not, whatever. But I, I think that's going to be his kind of guiding light. And, and even if that's a major championship, he's going to do it. So, uh, again, you have to. we all have to keep remembering, yeah, he's the number 11 player in the world right now. Yeah, he won last year. Yeah, he nearly won two majors. But there's still this lingering health problem that's still going to continue to exist. And as a result of those back surgeries, as a result of that fusion, he may be creating another problem that he nor us entirely understand yet with the neck. So it'll be very interesting to see where he goes from here, especially as we get to this point of the year now where there are a lot of weeks you just can't miss. He's going to be playing a lot of golf between now and the end of August. And that's why I think there's no chance he goes to Austin for the match play. I just don't think the... the um, I don't think the the possibility of, of seven matches in five days, including two thirty six hole days or more, you know, potentially is not something Tiger wants. I really think he goes to Valspar next week. I really think he commits and uses a pro am opt out. Guts there very late, so it's minimum, you know, um, uh, uh, wear and tear, and just goes for it and see what happens. It's a much better test than Austin, 
he can't go to the Dominican Republic, your band, and San Antonio. So he can either play this and then have a month off before April 11th, or you know go next week to uh, to Valspar in Tampa. Yeah, I, it, I think he would be better served playing Tampa than playing the match play. And I only say that because you've got to play three rounds in the match play. Yeah. And you got to play them off your normal schedule. It's not like you play a normal day-to-day week. And it's not Thursday through Sunday. It's a, it's a day earlier. You have pool play. There's just a lot of things different about it. I don't think it's really... I, certainly don't think Austin Country Club is really good preparation for Augusta National. Nope. I think you're going you're gonna to get better preparation at Innisbrook, where, yeah. frankly, it's greener, it's a little bit longer. I mean, there's, there's not an apt comparison, but it's better than Austin. So if he's going to play one more time, I would think it's going to be next week, and then we'll see him at the Masters. If he's trying to be if he's trying to prepare in a certain way because there's no the schedule so different now he can't just say well I'm going to play the Palmer and then I'll see you guys at the yeah. Masters so yeah. it, it, I think if he's going to do anything and he feels up to it do Tampa next week and then we'll see you at Augusta I am totally with you on that alright so the players now moves from, April, moves from May to March have you looked at the Ponte Vedra Beach weather forecast lately it seems to have suddenly gotten slightly better, and it looks like we should get some decent wind, though, but it's looking at like in the low 70s. So what's interesting to me is, last I looked at it last night, and I'm bringing it up right now, is there's a wind change that's going to happen on Saturday when some weather comes through, and it's going to go from a south wind to a north wind or a northeast wind. And for those out there who don't know, go to Google Maps Look up TPC Sawgrass, turn on satellite, and just look at where you've got this wonderful view of everything. But look at how 17 and 18 go into the wind at that point when the wind switches and becomes north and northeast. This is really interesting, Ryan. If, if that holds... If this holds up and that wind switch happens, and it and right now it is scheduled to, yes, it's a south wind at 11 on Friday. It's a north wind at 13 on Saturday, north-northeast at 14 on Saturday, uh, 13. That's exactly what everybody's been talking about. When the wind switches and 17 especially plays into the wind, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, I mean, I... I- the prevailing wind in March is much different than the prevailing wind in May. Yeah. So this is a completely different golf tournament from 17 and 18, certainly playing more either into the wind or with a trickier crosswind that hurts, not helps. So those two tee shots are much more difficult. You can also look at three and eight, the part threes on the front. Those are more difficult because they're going to play into the wind. Eight especially, geez, it could be a a full club maybe and all of a sudden it goes from a 5 iron to a 4 iron or 4 iron to a 3 iron or for some players who are even shorter fairway wood they may have to change the uh, tee that they use for that if, it, if it's really bad right. I mean that's it just depends on what, what they do and whether they're caught off guard yeah and then 9 becomes a, a more difficult hole too not that it wasn't difficult to begin with because if you're long you have to deal with the hazard if you're not then you've got to lay up anyhow 
but it's going to be a more interesting hole from tee to green playing that into the wind because you're definitely not getting there in most cases. So laying up to a number and getting to the right place is going to be tricky. So changing that wind is going to make this golf course much more interesting. And for those out there, what you need to do is, as I said, bring up Google Maps, TPC Sawgrass, go to the satellite view so you can see everything. North-northeast, which is the Sunday wind, means north, north again, and then a little bit of east. And that is your into cross from right to left for 17 and 18. And, and as you're saying, 9. But just that prospect of having to play 17 and 18 with an into and right to left cross, if you double cross yourself or do anything bad you're going in the water and that brings the woods and everything on the right in in the play because it's better than the water so yeah <laughs> i mean there's that all right l- let's roll through some of this stuff in the nine minutes we have left with you um francesco molinari wins last week continues a stretch of just being able to put the pedal to the metal, which is really impressive. We haven't talked to you since the very beginning of the, of, of the year. We've had a bunch of things happen. We've had Tiger go 2015-10. We've had Phil Mickelson get a win. We've had Dustin Johnson do some stuff. We had Matt Kuchar and the whole caddy fiasco thingy. Um, we've had a lot of things happen here on this PGA Tour season. And part of it that is so interesting about this is that you know, you, you can look at Keith Mitchell, but at the end of the day, it's the same group of guys, right? We've got Xander Shoffley, who, who shoots that amazing 62 to win um, the uh, Tournament of Champions. You then go to, to what Kuchar did, Adam Long beating Phil. Adam and, and Keith Mitchell right now are the two outliers in this. Rose, Ricky, Phil, J.B. Holmes, Martin Trainer wins the opposite field event. Uh, Dustin, Keith Mitchell, and then yesterday with Francesco. Except for the two outliers, this has really been a big names coming through start to this season. Or yeah. bigger. Yeah, it's been a superstar kind of year. I mean, other than Adam Long, and I, I guess you can consider Keith Mitchell a, a, I mean, I, I don't, but I understand why he's considered unknown. Um, and even so, I think Keith Mitchell's going to go on and do some really good things. So... I would consider this the first of many for him, not the first of only. Yeah. Him. So it, it really, I mean, it has been a cream of the crop kind of year so far in terms of winning. And it it really is interesting to see the depth of the sport right now. I mean, you can win being extremely long and dominant like Dustin Johnson or Keith Mitchell for that matter. You can win still being middling length, if not shorter now, like Matt Kuchar. And you can kind of do everything in between. And it really does boil down to, if you're a good ball striker, if you putt well that week, you got a chance to win. If you... Uh, it, it, that's what you got to do. I mean, that's the formula to win. And look at Rory yesterday. I mean, he loses two shots to the field on the greens. It was his only negative strokes game putting day all year and this is a, a all week and this is yet a, a another instance of two guys mr spieth and mr mcelroy where we've got problems mr spieth is too much in his head i don't know what the heck rory's problem is but these two guys just cannot f- finish right now for spieth it's just 
Saturdays. He can't get his Saturday finishes right. And Rory can't get his Sunday finishes right. Yeah. And they're both struggling for different reasons. I mean, Rory has so much pressure on his game because he's so bad as a wedge player. It's confounding. And so it puts pressure then on his putting, too, to make up for some of those shortcomings with a club in hand that should lead to a lot of birdies, and it doesn't. And Spieth's almost the opposite. The club in his hand that, at least early in his career, was the one doing all the talking is failing him, especially inside of five, six, seven, ten feet. And all of a sudden, he's got to figure out how to stick the ball closer to a comfortable range more often, and that puts pressure on it. So it goes one way or the other, but it's the same loop. It's the same feedback loop, maybe just in reverse. Yeah. And when you're not feeling it, when you... When you're standing in the middle of the fairway, and you're like, I could make five, I could make bogey from here, as Rory did five times over the course of the week at Bay Hill. It's really hard to stand there and be like, all right, well, just just smooth it. It's, it'll take care of itself. You, you start to think about steering it. How do I get it two feet closer, three feet closer? How how do I avoid putting myself in a situation where I could three putt or the other way with speed? And so Rory's playing great golf from tee to green. He put himself in the final group, what, nine times since the start of, what, 2018 or 2017 or something like that? Something absurd. On Sunday. I mean, it's it's a lot. He's there often, and then he just he, he implodes. I mean, it's not even always bad golf. It's just not the same caliber of golf that got him there in the first place. And it seems like it just all goes by the wayside. And I think a lot of that has to do with how he feels about putting. Um, and unfortunately, until he kind of gets over it, or he runs into one of these tournaments, as rare as they are now, where everyone just kind of goes sideways all day, and he basically just stays where, where stays put and wins. I don't know how he's going to do it. He's got to overcome something here to feel comfortable, to feel like he can play the same way on Sunday as he does so well on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. DJ, Justin, Brooks, JT, Bryson, Rory, Molinari, Xander, Ricky, Rom. Tiger, Day, Fleetwood, um, Finau, Casey. That's your that's your top fifteen. You may know this. Uh, sorry, top fifteen official World Golf ranking. You may know this better than I do. Players who played in this before it moved to May is Rose, Tiger, and Casey. Is that the only three out of the top fifteen that have experience? In Before March, May, uh, in the top fifteen of the world, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, I just feel like we're in for a really random winner this week. Somebody either like Rose, who uh, you know is just so accurate and and is so good and and, and practices a lot in the Bahamas where it's windy, etc. Casey, who has who's a, a, another guy who rarely goes way off target. Um, and then it's just a, a random guy out of nowhere that, you know, maybe this is Matt Wallace's week. Maybe this is somebody's week to do something and just shock us all because Matt Wallace has no scar tissue around Sawgrass, right? So it's, I, I don't, I don't know how to gauge this week. I've never known how to gauge this week, but this one is so wide open because of the change of date and how different the golf course plays and the overseed and the winds, especially if it gusts like it could from that northern direction over the weekend. I feel like a bunch of guys could go out there and shoot numbers, guys like JT and stuff, but how do you play in the wind on Saturday and Sunday 
or Ricky for that matter, could be a whole different story because these guys have never seen it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because I'm sure some of these guys have played this golf course in March, in early spring, when the prevailing wind is this, but they haven't done it under players' conditions. They've probably yeah. have not done it frequently under these types of conditions, at least. So there, there's that aspect of it. They have improved the golf course dramatically in the 12 years it was in May. So back when it was in March, it didn't drain as well. It wasn't as firm. It wasn't as fast. The greens weren't as pure. They're better now. They can run them faster. They can take a lot of the things they've done in May, running the greens basically to the limit, if the weather cooperates, take them almost that far. Take them almost as far as they could take Bay Hill last weekend. So I'm really curious what they do with the greens. And then the prevailing wind change. They have the rough down, it sounds like. Uh, whether that's a permanent choice or whether that's just because of the, the current conditions, I don't know. But it sounds like the rough is down. And then you've got... You've just got such a depth of feel too, and you're gonna you would have 80 world ranking points to the winner this week. Yeah, um, I mean it's it's just it, the way that they've changed the invitation criteria over recent years, where they wanted to get all the top guys from Europe to come, even if they're not European tour members. That has improved this event. So it, it's just fundamentally different than what it used to be in March, and. I'm very curious what the winning score is going to be because it could. I feel like it could range anywhere because if it's as soft as it's described and it kind of stays that way, I think it'll get firmer. But I could see 15, 16, 17 under winning. But if it gets windy and really kicks up, I could see a bloodbath and 10 under winning. So it's going to be really... I just don't think we're going to have a good handle on this. I don't think any player will until they really get into it. Yeah. And um, they're just going to have to kind of take a best guess about where the course will be each day and, and go with the flow. I am a I am with you 10,000% on that. couple things here uh, just quickly before I have to let you go. Number one, who wins this event? I, I think it's John Rahm. I really like John Rahm's chances mm. here. I, I think this course should be custom tailored to him because he is such a good driver of the golf ball. And I think with the change of the prevailing wind, I think it gives those longer guys a little bit of the edge back that they lost when it was firm and fast in May because they could just go ahead and hit iron all over the place because they kind of had to. They ran out of room. Now with it playing a little bit longer, a little bit softer, I think a longer player will, will stand to benefit a little bit. I love his putting. Obviously, iron play is not his entire strength. But if he puts himself in position off the tee comfortably, he's going to hit a lot of short irons into holes, and that's going to give him a good chance. So I love John Rahm. Doesn't have a good record, though. He's got a T-72 and a T-63 in his last two appearances there. So Yeah, so that, that really justifies my choice. But, <laughs> uh, but I also feel like this is one of those places you have to get used to. Yeah. And it's unique. And I think John Rom would tell you that, that it's unique. But I also think that him being able to do so well the last couple of years at PGA West, again, another peak die golf course, which was supposed to be like the TPC Sawgrass of the West. Yeah. I know it's softened over time, but the same concept. I, I think that, that he's figured out how to play those types of peak die courses should be able to help him at some point here. And he's just been so consistent this year, top five machine for the most part. I think he's, he's going to figure it out. For me, it's Justin Rose. I just think that the, these conditions and just what his game is fits perfectly. Final thing, the best shot you hit on your golf trip was? Uh, I hit a lot of good ones. 
So I was very happy with how I played. Um, I would say the first day, the last hole, the par five over water, had about 195 in, hit a little six iron downhill, uh, excuse me, a down slope shot, and uh, stuck it to about 20 feet for eagle. That or uh, the about five holes prior, three holes prior in the round, we had a drivable par four over water, about 310, and I hit it to about 15 feet, but I missed the eagle putt. Did you make the first eagle putt? No, I missed both of them. Let's oh, know. okay. But uh, I shot 33 on that side, so I was very happy with Hey, that. there you go. He is Ryan Ballinger. Read his stuff, listen to his podcast. Ryan, thanks as always for listening to Teeing It Up, and thank you all for uh, listening to the... Uh, sorry, thank you for... Jo- Ryan, thank you for joining me. You all, thanks for listening. And Ryan, if you want to listen to after the fact, that's fine as well. Uh, we will see you guys next time.